In this episode, we speak with Rajiv Shah, the co-founder and CEO of Salona, the enterprise 5G company that enables a new generation of AI-powered business critical apps in the enterprise and helps organizations accelerate their digital transformation journey. Before founding Salona, Rajiv was the VP of Product Management and Marketing for Federated Wireless, where he launched the industry's first and leading spectrum access system. Prior to Federated, Rajiv held multiple product management leadership positions at Aruba Networks, including creating its cloud Wi-Fi business. Taking advantage of the citizens' broadband radio service spectrum, Salona's solution architecture is designed to simplify and automate deployment of cellular wireless technology by enterprise IT organizations and managed service providers. The company was born with the idea that a combination of 5G radio technology, edge computing, and machine learning software will fundamentally change how organizations work and do business. Salona is backed by Digital Bridge Ventures, Qualcomm Ventures, Norwest, Lightspeed Venture Partners, and other notable investors. I'm your host, RJ Lumba. We hope you enjoy the show. If you like the episode, click the subscribe. RJ Lumba is the managing partner of GrowthCap and the executive chairman of Market Insight Media. He is the host of Growth Investor, a podcast featuring today's best investors, executives, and founders. In the minutes ahead, we'll uncover insights and strategies for accelerating growth and succeeding in business. Rajiv, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. So I'd love to start with what Salona does because it's very interesting and it's not very typical with regards to the other technology and software companies that we've had on the podcast. So can you tell us a little bit about Salona? Sure. So Salona's uh, main mission is that we are enabling businesses to have their own mobile networks in their own premises. This is especially important for like industrial, semi-industrial organizations, think manufacturing, think warehousing, where there is an extraordinary amount of automation being introduced. But as those devices and machines are getting automated, what's becoming apparent is they need an extremely reliable wireless connectivity layer. And so far, really, companies have only had Wi-Fi at their disposal, which works fantastic. We are all Wi-Fi right now, and it works fantastic. But it does not have the necessary reliability and the range that is needed in these environments. And cellular has actually had a lot of these characteristics forever. We use it always when we are driving around, and it works fantastic. But it has only been used for consumer applications for really public networks. So we're trying to bridge that gap. So our goal is if we can make mobile technology as accessible, as pervasive for businesses as Wi-Fi is, then we think we can solve a lot of those problems. One would think that if you transfer over the responsibility of managing a network to a company, it could be a risky proposition. If you cannot manage that on your own, as well as a major service provider, you run the risk of disrupting your business operations. How do you ensure that private enterprise has the ability to ensure their networks are up and running and has redundancy? Yeah, it's a great question. And the way we think of it is we are not necessarily a service provider. What we do is we provide the products and services needed for companies to run their own networks or continue leveraging their existing partners who might be running their networks anyways for them. So we are actually, one of our key goals with this technology 
is we do not think that the enterprises need to change how they're doing their business today. If their IT team is today running their Wi-Fi network, we think they can actually run their own mobile network too. And so similar to the tools that have been provided by the Wi-Fi companies over the last two decades, we are building those toolkits so the IT team can run it themselves. If they are today leveraging other managed service part providers and they would like them to add this to the portfolio, we enable that too. So as an example, both Verizon and NTT are pretty significant partners for us who take our platform as a managed service to their large enterprise customers. Got it. And you were founded fairly recently in 2019. It seems like you're growing quickly. Can you tell us about the adoption rate and how you've been able to kind of sell into the market? Yeah, it has been a very fun close to four years. We started selling commercially about close to 18 months back. And so it's been about 18 months of being in the market. And we have seen some really nice rapid adoption. And we are adding customers, two to three customers a week is approximately what we are starting to add at this point of time. And one of the things that is always interesting about technology like ours, like you described at the top of the conversation, is it's new technology. So it takes a little time for people to get educated that even such an opportunity exists. This is often not in businesses' budget list today. So we have to go educate the market on how there is a new opportunity available to do something. So given that stage of the market, we are quite excited at how fast this market has grown for us. It seems like it's a high-value technology for some of these industries and companies. Does that high-value translate into big-ticket sales? So each one of these customers is a fairly sizable customer. It is a pretty high value customer. So we actually did a interesting ROI analysis on a steel company that purchased this about a couple of quarters back and it's publicly available. And their ROI essentially gave them back a break even within two and a half months. And quite honestly, in my two decades of doing any kind of technology building and selling, I've never seen two and a half months otherwise. So in that sense, it is a very high value. It is often business critical. We like to call the kind of applications that we are enabling as business critical. So to your point, absolutely. I think the value is so high that these tend to be pretty decent sized customers right out of the gate. But more exciting, you know, as a business, what we are excited is that it's a very nice business from a land and expand potential. Because what it does is if you are a company that has, I don't know, 300 warehouses all over the country, Our typical first PO is for just one portion of the warehouse outdoor to solve a really critical need, right? They might have a forklift there that is really struggling with connectivity and they might deploy it just for that. And before you know it, two months in, they're like, oh, we have a problem in another part of the warehouse. We need to do that too. And now that we have done it, we now have 300 other warehouses that are struggling with the same thing. So it just becomes a really nice repeat business as well. And so we are starting to see a lot of those early signs in these customers, not just landing, but expanding as well. Yeah, I'd love to go into your background because this is an area I think that you've been working in networks for the large majority of your career. And it seems like you've had other entrepreneurial endeavors in the past. So tell us about yourself. Sure. I'm a self-professed wireless networking geek, to be honest with you. I somewhat accidentally out of school landed in a Wi-Fi company, Aruba which was in a similarly very early stage as a company and a market and didn't know a lot about wireless then. 
but spent about 15 years in that company and really, really got excited about Wi-Fi for businesses all over. I did a couple of small entrepreneurial stints trying to get something off the ground, not very successful back then, but then landed with a really interesting company called Federated Wireless as a head of products and marketing for them. And that company was also in wireless, was happened to be enabling this new spectrum model that then triggered what I'm now doing here at Solona. So I've been in wireless now for close to 20 years. And I joke about it that when people get excited about pick your favorite app, social networking or Uber or whatever you like, we are the people who are always excited about the wireless network that enabled it. And we are probably a very small minority, but we get excited about that. And we get excited about what new stuff can be enabled when this starts to happen even more. We covered, you were founded in 2019 and you've done, it looks like three rounds of funding. And I think for a total of around $100 million. And for most entrepreneurs, that's quite a bit of capital to take in. One question is, from the entrepreneur's perspective that's thinking about this, how are you able to go about that process? It's not an easy process, or perhaps maybe you had pre-existing conversations or connections with investors. So could you tell us a little bit about your journey in terms of capital? So we raised our first round in 2019. Norwest and Lightspeed co-led that round and Servant Ventures was also a part of it. And the interesting part of that round is all three of those investors were very strong early investors and had seen a lot of success in the Wi-Fi industry. And so that was intentional. I happened to know all three of them through the industry because having been in the industry so long and similar to me seeing the parallels in this new industry relative to the early 2000s, what happened with Wi-Fi, this set of investors immediately recognized a similar pattern as well. And so it was very intuitive for them to recognize the opportunity. And we had a really nice team with me and my CTO from Qualcomm, who clearly had the experience and the technical abilities to pull this off. And they made a bet on us that this market will happen and this is the team to go after it. A year in, you know, we had the opportunity to have NTT VC join us as well. And that was both an interesting thing from a capital perspective, but equally important, you know, it was the beginning of a really deep relationship with NTT globally for us. And I think it has been one of the most fruitful partnerships we have had, to be honest with you. And you know, 2020 was a relatively good time for entrepreneurs and for good companies. There were certainly a multitude of opportunities to raise capital. And we consider ourselves really fortunate that we made a bet on NTT back then because it has led to this partnership that has given us access to these customers who are pretty incredible, right? I mean, we have multiple Fortune 50 customers who we would as a young company never have gotten into. So I think that was a great relationship beginning for us. Qualcomm Ventures also decided to invest as a part of that round. Again, the theme continues. They were in the movement, if you might. Anything 5G is so central to Qualcomm that they knew the potential of what was happening in this market and how big this could be. And so I think this was a relatively natural decision for them to bet on the market as well. So I think that's been one of the themes for us. We've really had the luxury of having a small set of investors who truly understand the internals of this market before maybe a mainstream investor would do. And they've been able to make that bet on us early. And the same theme continued with Digital Bridge earlier this year or last year, I guess, where they led our Series C 
and had an insight because they were doing the digital infrastructure as 5G was getting built all over the world. So I think we have had the luxury of those investors who have that inside view on what's going on. I think you're a great example of how an investor can add value way beyond simply financial capital. I mean, the introductions into certain customers. So do you think that that will continue to play out, that there could be a very strong partnership with those investors who are already in your industry and know your industry well? Absolutely. I think there is always an opportunity, even in this environment, we are having conversations that there are strategic investors who can see the market and see this trend as a growth vector for their own core business and therefore are interested in doubling down on these bets and so would like to participate in multitude of ways with people like us. So I think the opportunity always exists. I think to your meta point, I do think you know it is really important to have investors who can, I think add value is a very selfish way of thinking about it from my perspective, but who can help me in more ways than just capital. And I think I'm very proud of the fact that our board and board observers and the investor group is one that I lean on very heavily. One of the best lessons I learned early on in this role as a CEO was one of my board members telling me that one of your growth areas has to be for you to leverage the board more. You need to go and assign a task or ask for help or say, this is what I need from you. And it's been an extraordinary investor group that's been able to do that every time I have raised my hand. And given the weight of these more strategic-oriented investors, has the participation level or influence of the earlier stage investors, has that diminished or, or declined along the way, like a you know, Lightspeed or Norwest, or do they just simply play a different role? I think they play a slightly different role. The strategic investors as an organization tend to be a lot more involved in our go-to-market very directly, whereas... Norwest, Lightspeed have been extremely influential in really, for lack of a better word, coaching us as a young company on how to do things operationally, how to hire the right people, how to really think about the right metrics that will matter to this business. And I think the luxury that all of these investors have, it's certainly Norwest and Lightspeed being tier one VCs with such a huge portfolio, is they can recognize patterns just that little better they have a little bit of more of that experience so that you can coach us into those operational mechanics sooner. And I think it's just been a different role. And, you know, we can't underestimate how valuable they are in hiring execs, to be honest with you, right? Because if you're a quality exec, you want to double down on a bet made by a tier one VC. And Norwest and Lightspeed certainly help us get that credibility too. Do you find that Growing and scaling the company has been more challenging than you anticipated? Always is. <laughs> it always is. I think as all of us say, it's always harder than you imagine and it takes longer than you always think. I think in some ways it has been better in the sense that the market dynamics have gone so close to what we had predicted. I think you know over four years, getting most of your predictions right is a relative rarity in a new market. So in that sense, it's gone better than I could have hoped for. But I think there are always challenges that you don't foresee. The product takes a little longer to build. The product takes a little longer to stabilize. You run into unknown complexities out in the field. The deployment times and the complexities in the field engineering needed sometimes is longer. So things like that, I think, continue to be a challenge and an opportunity to improve. But 
no, no different than any startup that I have been in or have been exposed to. There's a lot of sectors that you promote on your site as being good use cases in higher education, healthcare, warehousing, industrial, manufacturing, government, K through 12 schools, et cetera. Which of those areas has been the most pronounced and willing and ready to adopt? I think the supply chain slash warehousing has been by far the number one because they're just going through such a change right now in today's supply chain environment. I think it's been a huge one. Very closely related to it has been manufacturing because, again, the geopolitical environment has really driven a need for innovation in that environment. So I think those two, you know, you could expand those to the adjoining verticals like transportation, which are also having to deal with an extraordinary load right now and are trying to think how do they do that. So the entire supply chain from manufacturing to warehousing to transportation has been the biggest area that we have seen a lot of interest. The other thing that has happened in the last few months, no surprises with the oil prices being where they are, is the energy sector has started really innovating as well. So those two I would highlight as probably the areas of greatest demand for us right now. Well, we're coming up on time, and I'd like to end the conversation with two questions. The first question is, can you tell us about a book that you've read that has had a profound impact on you, or if that's too serious, you could just provide a book recommendation? I'm a go-to guy for books. Every time I feel like I need a refresh, I have a book to read. And coincidentally, not as a life-changing thing, but the most recent book that I read that I really was impressed by was Dare to Lead. I thought it was a phenomenal book, and it really brings out the humanity and leadership that I think all of us do need to remember. So I thought it was a great book. It's been one that's really forced me to think a lot in the last few weeks, so I thought that's worthy of call-up. Excellent. And the last question is, can you tell us about a person you admire? doesn't necessarily have to be a, a business leader. I think overall, just looking in from the outside, I continue to be amazed at the job Satya Nadella is doing at Microsoft. I think having the business transformation to the success that he's done while changing the culture of a company that dramatically. And from what I have read, from what I've heard from people there, he seems to really live up to those ideals of leading with empathy and see sounds like a really phenomenal combination. Excellent. A great answer to end with. Well, Rajiv, I just want to thank you again for taking the time. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here.